Welcome to So You Can Heal. Uh, I'm Josh. I am an LSW. I'm currently working on getting my clinical licensure. Um, I am a therapist. I see a myriad of people, um, from couples to individuals with varying backgrounds from trauma to not big T trauma, but little T trauma. Yeah. So what I mean by big T trauma and little T trauma, big T trauma are the types of instances that happen within someone's life. It can be once, it can be multiple times. And at the end of the day, those instances or those experiences impede one's functioning. So it could lend itself to like a PTSD type diagnosis or CPTSD. So, or if it's compounded and there are lots of things in there, it can be like a dissociative identity disorder or DID. So people are starting to dissociate from their reality. Um, in order to be able to manage and cope what's actually happening for them with them in their everyday life because of the trauma that they've experienced. Little T trauma isn't going to impact functioning at that type of level. However, like little T trauma definitely can like cause us to create adaptations that can definitely impact how we engage with people, but it's not going to limit our functioning as big T trauma does. And that can be from an infidelity and how may that impact us? Like it may be more of, we don't want to trust people. We're really leery around people. However, it's not regressing our, functioning in ways that we can't do things and to the relationship point i work with traditional and non-traditional couples relationships um and whatever that may mean for them so whether that is boundaries communication jealousy trust infidelity yeah, there's a lot of things that kind of come up within that that can be worked on. But it, like I find that a lot of it's around like how we've adapted growing up and through experiences and how those adaptations are showing up in our relationships and addressing those adaptations so that we can be aware of them and then intentional on how we show up and offering support to ourselves, to our partners, and how that can inherently change the dynamics in the relationship. I also work with kids. And if you're working with kids, you're working with families. So that way we can support the kid at every facet and every juncture for success. So yeah, I work with quite the array from kids to adults, from individuals to couples and families. Nice. Yeah.
And you work, we work together? Yes, we work at Still Point Consultants in Greenwood, Indiana. (laughs) And so forever, whoever is out there listening or will listen one day, yes, we live in rural Indiana. Yeah, for sure. And me even more so, because you're like, at least in Indy, I'm like two hours south in Madison. Yes, two hours south in Madison. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, And my name's Abby Parker. I'm a licensed mental health counselor, um, so LMHC, and I work with um, a lot of individuals, men and women. I also work with relationships, so whether that be in a marriage, partnership, couple, um, family mm-hmm. dynamic. Um, as well as some professional relationships, I guess. And with that, I work also with trauma. And I would consider the therapy that I do to be, I mean, my practice has evolved because I've been practicing since 2009. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've worked with people that want to work through childhood trauma um people are seeking just a better life and looking to work through anxiety and depression um are people who want to have better relationships and i'm sure you'll get to know me a little bit more in my current interest more in like the body um and how trauma manifests in the body and how if we process through that and with different techniques, how relieving and um, free you can feel within your life. Yeah, I really like how you said that. So where did you grow up? Well, the technical location is that I grew up in uh, the cornfields of Indiana, which is like on the west side of Indianapolis. Um, And I grew up in a very traditional nuclear family, mom, dad, sister. Um, And then if I really talk about my family, it extends to a much larger community. You would learn about my family that lives across the United States on one side of the family. You will learn about my family that lives north of, um, way north of Indiana, that lives in even more of a rural community. Um, You would learn about the people who helped raise me besides my parents, which I'm sure I will talk about them at some time or another, um, but they, I know them by granny and pops. And they, with my parents, impacted my life significantly. Hmm. Um, and Pops is still alive. I Aww. believe I believe he is 96, Dang. I think. And <laughs> he still lives independently. Um, <laughs> and if you ever want to hear some really good stories, he is an excellent storyteller. <laughs> He's fun to listen to. And he remembers things. Um, 
from his childhood or from like how he was raised and just the way he tells it has like a like a cadence and a rhythm and um he shares part of himself with you Mm. and i guess that's something that i'm like i want to do on here like i want to share parts of myself um but not have this become a therapy session for me either (laughs) (laughs) okay like Transparency is always uh-huh. nice. Yep, <laughs> honesty. So, you know, it's in, like when I really start thinking about my childhood, um, I mean, I could share so many different parts of it. One part of it, though, I, I think about my journey to being a therapist. Um, and I actually started with more interest in the medical field. I don't know why, but I always wanted to be a doctor, um, specifically like an obstetrician, like delivering babies. Um, I always thought it was fascinating. I like, I couldn't think of anything better to do than like bring life into the world. I mean, as a young kid, I didn't think about it like that. Um, But as I think about it now, like that's what resonates with me. And then I went to college and I was really bad at biology. Mm. So kind of important. Yeah, kind of important. <laughs> and I was really bad at it. And so that that kind of shut that door. That <laughs> I was not going to become a doctor. Um, and I was okay with that. So instead I picked theology, which is the study of God. Mm-hmm. And that was completely different than biology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's um, funny. But something else you'll find out about me is that I do have a fascination with how people think, um, what they believe, how they came to believe what they believe, how it impacts their like perspective and their perception and their relationships. Um And then I have this other scientific side of me where I want to understand how things work or how things like were proven to be. Um, And that's why I got my minor in chemistry. (laughs) So I stuck with the science, but I needed the spiritual um, or the like the humanitarian perspective. Um, And so that, that is where I guess my learning foundation lies. Quite the broad spectrum of I know, right? Things. <laughs> I think that's really interesting. As for me, I grew up in a little south of Indy, um, Edinburgh. M- most commonly known for its mall. But yeah, um, mom, dad, divorced when I was in elementary school. Uh, I'm the middle child, so middle okay. su- middle child syndrome. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, um, it was kind of a challenging childhood growing up, really. But I think 
what it taught me was that if I wanted something, then I and I alone had to be the one to do it for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that perseverance. For sure. I mean, because it would have been really easy to fall into the same types of patterns and cycles that my family were in. Mm. And in some ways I did. Um, Sure. And then had to find my own way back out of them. And yeah. So, and then I went to college to be a teacher elementary education teacher okay um because like and up until like my entire high school career was like ap classes like my goal was like i'm going pre-med i'm getting into college to be a doctor what (laughs) you too yeah i wonder where we got that message um well my my dad worked for Wishard, like on the ambulance, my mom was in nursing. So like the medical field was very much like norm okay. for, my, for us. Um and it was always one of those things that the pressure of like you should be a doctor. So mm-hmm. it was always like, okay, doctor it is then like yeah, yeah, that's what mine was, like you should be a doctor. Um, yeah. But yeah, I didn't know that about your family, that it had like the, the impact of the medical um, being like a helping professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then my senior year of high school, um, well, let me reverse the second. Um, my cousin had passed away at the end of our, of our freshman year of high school. And I mean, granted, I'm still on my course for medical school, but the first red flag was like going to his funeral, like, and I could not pull myself to even look at the dead body. <laughs> I'm like, this is probably a problem. <laughs> so, in my head, I'm like, well, trying to rationalize like you know it's your cousin like no wonder sure. blah, blah, blah. um yeah no <laughs> <laughs> so by the time i get into my senior year um i pretty much take i have all of my classes taken except for my senior english and like one random class that i had to take um and yeah, I essentially did what we called cadet talk, cadet teaching. So I would go for, to, generally they only let you do one period out of the day. But because like I had, I was like in the top 10 and they're like, okay, you're, you do what you want. So I had like five art classes in a day. <laughs> and then the other half of the day I was at the elementary school. Um, which was kind of fun because I literally had a year of nothing. Of creativity. Yeah, essentially. That's fun. Um, but being at 
the elementary school with the teacher that I was with, like Miss Snyder was, I mean, she was my brother's, my older brother's sixth grade teacher. Um, I don't know. She was just like, she was the mentor that I needed at the time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I miss her, but, but yeah, she, uh, had a passion for education and doing things that you would remember years later. Like she brought Shakespeare to elementary school. Um, like in like when she was teaching sixth grade, yeah, like Shakespeare, duh, like it's okay. But then she started doing it when she moved to third grade and third graders were doing Shakespeare. Like she's like, I'm not giving this <laughs> up. So, <laughs> but it was just so cool. That's fun. Um, and I realized that like my day went by so quickly that I'm like, if that's how my day is, then yeah, I'm definitely going to teach. <laughs> mm -hmm. Needless to say. <laughs> Being a teacher and being a cadet teacher are a little different. Um, I taught for a year and a half. After a year and a half of teaching, uh, realizing that as much as I love the process of teaching, um, I mean, I... I was a good teacher. Like I could get my kids to do what I needed them to do. And like, I was dramatic. I would fall on the floor and <laughs> just be silly. But yeah, it came to a point where it just wasn't it. So I went to hair school and did hair for 10 years. Still do some. Mm -hmm. Um, and then had an experience at a salon. From there, it was, I don't know, hair was different. Like, it stopped being about wanting to do the hair and just wanting to truly help people. Um, so I signed up for graduate school and Luckily, one of the ladies that I've had the pleasure of working with in the past at like a side job um, knew of Still Point and got me in contact with you guys. And yeah, the rest is kind of history. Um, I mean, once I got out of graduate school, like I went to work for a community mental health organization for like six months. Yeah. And that was not for me. Yeah. Um, and that's what like in us talking about like our journeys, how we have evolved and like the different, like the different ways people can gain therapy. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many different um, entrances in to getting support for sure i mean so the help is out there 
Mm-hmm. It is. So, it yeah. is hard sometimes to find the right fit. That is for sure. And the right person. Um, but I would absolutely encourage for people to not stop trying. Word. Josh, one thing I was, I'm appreciative that you shared with us um, is like that teacher that influenced you and like impacted you and like was a mentor to you. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I think it's really interesting to see how the people that come into our lives or that cross paths, how they impact us um, yeah. or how we impact them. Yeah. And I mean, I was, that, a, yeah, I would go ahead. How I was going to be somber. So. <laughs> and how that, and how that like shifts your path. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. That was Paul Bear at her funeral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like my cousin passed away when I was in high school and then like 19 days later, my grandfather passed away Uh and yes, like the whole numbness piece, but like, I don't really remember ever like being upset, Mm -hmm. but like when she passed away, it was like, I don't know. That was the first time I really experienced like grief. Cause that was like, I don't know. And I don't know if it was the fact that like seeing her full of life and then the last time I saw her before her passing, like she was in a wheelchair and mm-hmm. like just seeing her that way, like that picture is still in my mind and it's like, that's not her. Yeah. I don't know. It's just hard sometimes to think about it, but, but yeah. Yeah. I think it is hard to think about how people like their, like their bodies change, their, like their human experience changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the things that you were so connected with, which was like her passion and how she connected and how she taught. Yeah. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's absolute. Like, I mean, I think we both have lost people that have impacted our lives. For sure. And it's really hard to let go of those. Yeah. And that's another piece of like this discussion that we're going to be having on safety. Um, there, there are points where loss impacts that. Sure. Or in either experiencing safety or not experiencing safety, you go through a process of loss with that. Yeah. Loss can be really hard so just tell me a little bit tell me something um that you love like hobbies or animal like pets or Uh, hobbies i like painting um i have a i have well i have a dog my partner has a cat so i have a Dog and a cat. <laughs> um, 
Bella is our dog. She's a, an English bulldog. And our cat is a rat. Like, is, I would consider him a rescue, but he was like um, <laughs> a feral kitten, essentially. And my partner brought him in. <laughs> but he is like the sweetest cat ever. Oh, like, that's he's good. so sweet. <laughs> There's nothing like bringing a feral cat into your house. <laughs> And he'll see kittens walking around. He's like, we need to get them. I'm like, we don't. <sighs> but yeah. Um, I really enjoy cooking. Um, in other parts of my life, I have made like different types of oils, like aromatherapy things, candles, balms, lotions, mm-hmm. tinctures, pulpas. Things. I've got I've gotten to benefit from that. Yeah. Um so I really like doing that kind of stuff, just anything kind of creating really seems to center me. I mean, I would consider hair now a more of a hobby. Um which I'm grateful for the few clients that I still have that are kind of my core people that I want to stick still have in my life mm-hmm. um, because of the impact that they've had on me. Most of them are mentors of some sort that I get to set aside a time to actually see them. And hair is just that way to do that. That's fine. Um, yeah. What about you? Uh, well, at some point in time, you will probably get to meet Tori on this podcast. Tori is my loving, oh my goodness, how old is she? We got her in 2006. So. Was she a kitten? Yeah. She was probably born in like 2005, 2006. So 15, 14, 14, 15 years. Um, And so we got her and her brother, Norman, um, (laughs) together back in Cincinnati. And I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but like we got them from the O'Brienville Animal Rescue Center. (laughs) And it's this wonderful nonprofit organization that was in the basement of an antique store at the time. And so you walk through this like creaky old antique store, go down into the basement and you literally have a entire basement full of cats. And they have like these huge like cages that like each cat is like paired up with a group of cats that it gets along with. And they, they, they're essentially like work with feral cats in the community. Um, And so we got Tori and Norman and Norman immediately like ran up to us when we came. Um, And Norman's no longer with us. He passed away about three years ago. And Tori, she's the fun fact I like to give on her is that she is a Hemingway polydactyl and this is a genetic defect where instead of having five 
like fingers or toes on her front paws, she has six. And mm. so it literally looks like she's walking on high heels. <laughs> she's a glitzy kitty. Yes. <laughs> That's um, awesome. But she's one of those loving cats I've ever had. So yes, you'll probably hear her meow in the background. Um, she'll probably want to like come join us at some point if I let her. And so yeah, besides my love for cats, because I mean, like I have cat stuff. I have cat socks. I'm I've got cat pictures. Um, Joshua has painted me a picture of Tori for Christmas last was it last year. I think so. Yeah. Which is in my office, if you ever get to see it. Um, and as far as hobbies go, I I kind of like cycle through hobbies. So I might read for a little bit, and then I might get hooked on a TV show. Um, I might like switch to hiking and like being outdoors. Um, I went through a cooking phase, which I really hope comes back one day because <laughs> I really like good food. And But you can't eat good food unless you make it. Um, and now a lot of my hobbies revolve around my little boy, Leo, and what my husband and I like to do together, um, which could be, well, since COVID, we've been limited, but... I mean, it could be anything from sports or museums and um, we like to get out and like we spend a lot of times with our, with our friends and our family. And so again, it revolves around food. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we just enjoy being together and moving through our day. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, since COVID, like, because my partner and I usually, like, we'll hang out with his friends or his family, like, do various things like that, but mm -hmm. usually around food. Oh, well, always around food. But since COVID, like, a lot of that has been put on the back burner, so our thing now is we play video games together <laughs> which I have never been a video game person at all like I've uh -huh. always been the watcher which sure. I do my fair share still sure. of watching but like now it's like I started playing Star Wars video games and like I can't stop <laughs> I'll probably play after we're finished <laughs> oh, okay. sounds good <laughs> it's one thing I never got into. I yeah. just like I don't know if it's like my hand eye coordination or I don't I don't know. Yeah. I think it made me more nervous than anything. That was me. Like I couldn't do it. Like my brothers were always better than me, so I'm like, F it, like I'm not gonna do this. But like yeah. Yeah, like finding the right game that's just like really fun. Like you could play for, and I do <laughs> play for hours. It's kind of a sickness. <laughs> you know, I had someone, 
um, it was a teenager one time, told me about a game. I thought, that sounds really cool. And it was essentially like you pick an animal that you're going to be and you move through these different like beautiful sceneries and like the like the quality of the game is about like the cinematography and like the visual um, experience and you go through like different challenges. I'm like, well, that's so, I mean, that's actually sounds interesting to me. Um, but I still would probably choose to do other things instead of play video games. But. <laughs> sure. Like the other night, Leo, this little four-year-old boy came up with this idea that he wanted to um, make a fire in the fire pit outside, watch the sunset, and of course, roast marshmallows and play games. And he was, he was all into this. He wanted to create and have this party. <laughs> and guess how cold it was, Josh? It was like 30 degrees outside. And so what did we do? We built the fire. We watched the sunset. We played some tag. He's huge into tag. Um, we barely roasted marshmallows. Um, and then we brought it inside because it was too cold. But I mean, oh, that's, that's the fun. type of stuff that, that we end up doing. I mean, that's fun though. It's fun. So what brought you to therapy? Um, I think lots of things brought me to it. I think whether it be trying to figure out my own personal experiences that created discomfort or trauma in my life or, and, um, witnessing and being present to trauma in other people's lives. Like, especially as I was in college. Um, and I wrote about this on my, like on my info page for still point, but and there was more actually more than one incident of this, but when a person I knew would get sexually assaulted in college and like no one knew how to support or help them. Mm. And even, I mean, being in, being present to someone's pain is a, is a way to support them. Totally. Um, and I think the harder part for me was not knowing what to do or the things that I wanted to do were crossing boundaries of like, mm being an advocate or um, like doing things for them, which now I've learned that it's truly up to that person to process through their pain and what they choose to do with it. Right. Um, and so I think a lot of those experiences along with like that interest in wanting to understand how people process things or process through things. So whether, again, whether it be spiritually or mentally um, to get to a better space. Helping them find the power to make the decisions for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And I think I've always been a, well, I think generationally it's been passed down that um, as part of who I am, like, or I, I guess a life goal is to help or be a helper um, or be a servant. Um, and so whether that be through like volunteering or working with people who aren't able to stand up for themselves, like, like people with disabilities um, or people who are at risk, um, whether that be like socioeconomic or culturally or like whatever that is. And so there's always been that underlying helping piece. Right. And as you get to know me, like you'll see themes of different types of people that I help advocate for. Um, and I, I've done so because of like my family history and how I connect like with people with disabilities. Mm. And I think I understand how you came to therapy. Yeah. Kind of that always having that desire to be a therapist and to help people um, and thinking that you're going to do that through hair mm -hmm. and then transitioning into even learning more. Yeah. And it, and it was one of those things too, like where people come in with certain things, you're like, I am not qualified to really talk about this, but like, I'm, I'm here for you. <laughs> yeah. And I remember being little and like with everything that was happening in my life and with my family at the time, like we were, we had to go to therapy and we were living with my dad at the time in Vincennes and the therapist that I had, like, I don't know. She was like, I still remember some of the things that she helped me reframe. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. And it was just, I don't know, like Sherry Bell, like, she, I don't know. I loved her. So Sherry Bell, if you're listening. <laughs> no. Um, but she made a huge impact on my life. That's really and cool. Especially at a time when, like, things were kind of crazy. So sure. to me, like, the person that was that stability for me was a therapist. And I, for me, like, that's what I've always wanted to be for people. Yeah. So... Yeah. So, last couple of questions. Like, why this podcast and what's your goal for it? Um, something else you'll find out about me in our discussions together is that I work from a intuitive place. Mm -hmm. And when you ask me, like, why why a podcast um it just it felt right and i know that might be odd for people to maybe hear or if you understand it, i'd love to hear from you um but it just felt like 
a way to talk about therapy in a different way that might be able to impact people's lives um, without them literally sitting in our space and doing like really intense work. And I think especially with the transitions that all of us have been through this past year, um, it's becoming even, it's becoming even more apparent to me that we have more avenues to talk about things and to help each other learn about things besides maybe the traditional ways that we have uh, before, like only doing therapy in the therapy room, um, face to face. I mean, that has been completely, um, changed in the past however many months. How about for you? So why a podcast? Why this podcast? Um, I have felt for a while that what our office has been doing and the processes that we've been going through, like with, with even within our personal lives and within the practice, like that is powerful information and powerful processes that Mm -hmm. we can be sharing with people. Um, And I've kind of always felt like, and I would mention it every once in a while, like podcast, (laughs) because I do think that like for those individuals who need support can find support without it being as intensive. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's really important, especially now. So yeah, like kind of like you said, like I feel like it's that added layer of support for people that may need it or who may need it. But yeah, I would say my goal is that the listener will always be able to walk away with something that they can use Mm. for themselves and their lives. Yeah. I'm going to give like nuggets of wisdom Mm -hmm. that if it like fits with you that day, or maybe you remember it like months from now, um, it, it may be able to help you heal. So you can heal. Work. Which is what our podcast is called. So you can Uh, heal. Yeah. Which has come from our work um, as a team at Still Point. Yes. What we all represent and stand for. Yeah. We've all done quite a bit of work. But I'm really excited about this last question. Are you ready? What is the one superpower you could? would want to have if you could. I've been thinking about this one too. I (laughs) want to time travel. Ooh, that's a good one. I know. That's such a good one. Uh, How about you? (laughs) Um, I have always and forever loved 
like X-Men. So I am very much like a Jean Grey, a Phoenix type person. That's like, okay. like all powerful, like energy itself like is manipulated and uh-huh. telekinetic, telepathic. Like that type of thing. That would be like. That's a good one too. Yeah. Telekinetic, tele- telepathic. She's so many different things, especially as she becomes like the Phoenix, the dark Phoenix and mm-hmm. things like that. Like her powers, some in some ways start evolving a little mm-hmm. bit. I th- like in my own brain, that's how I see yeah. it. But for like diehard Marvel people will probably think I'm stupid. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> I've never thought of time travel though. It just came to me. I'm like, yeah. That's a good one. That's a really good one. So as we wrap up, I would like to thank everyone for listening. Um, You can always check us out at stillpointhealing.com or at stillpointhealing on social media platforms. Well, Facebook. Um, I think we have a Pinterest page too. Yep. don't we have a Spotify playlist for like various type of songs that Jenna does? I can't remember. I think so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, more information to come about our podcasts. We, as Abby said, we will be posting or uploading, um, downloading, whatever loading it is. Um, towards the beginning of December. So yeah, watch out for that. Also, we are encouraging you all and inviting to send in questions, send in topic ideas. Uh, We would love to hear what you would love to hear about. so we can in some ways curate this to the audience that we have mm-hmm. um yeah so we're opening up that conversation live long and prosper <laughs> <laughs> you get to go play your video games now now, now we have many, <laughs> we have meetings i know we have meetings, <laughs> but still. yeah